Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Our top story, an inside look at the inner workings of China's global hacking efforts. Leaked documents show how Beijing works with private hackers to get intelligence of foreign governments. Who are the victims? The number of Chinese nationals illegally entering the U.S. is rising fast. More on what officials say about potential ties to the Chinese Communist Party. A bipartisan House delegation visits Taiwan as the Pentagon approves new arms sales to the island. Lawmakers vowing firm U.S. support. And the ideal place to live for young Chinese people now breaking with past trends. Having once eyed metropolitan cities, much of the young workforce is losing interest in hustling or uprooting. What's behind the trend? A rare glimpse into China's global hacking campaign, from Taiwan's road mapping data to details on Thailand's foreign ministry. Leaked documents show the Chinese regime is working with private hackers to obtain sensitive information on foreign governments. Reports show Beijing's top intelligence agency hires hundreds of such private companies to attack foreign governments. Hackers claim to have targeted government agencies in the United Kingdom, Taiwan, India, Thailand, South Korea and Malaysia. It's unclear if the U.S. is on its company's list, but Chinese hackers have targeted the U.S. for decades. Of the things they've lifted, valuable source code from Google and Adobe, personnel files on over 4 million U.S. government employees, and security clearance background information on over 20 million people. Back to the leaked documents, they were posted on GitHub last week. These documents come from a Chinese security firm called iSoon. iSoon works for Chinese military and intelligence agencies. That includes over 50 police agencies across China and dozens of other state-owned companies and state agencies. Examples include oil giant PetroChina and Shanghai Pudong Development Bank. There are hundreds of other private companies like iSoon. Together, they target foreign governments on behalf of the Chinese state. Here's what iSoon hackers appear to have obtained. Road mapping data from Taiwan, information that could prove useful on a potential Chinese invasion. Plus, data about government agencies in Thailand, including its foreign ministry, intelligence agency and Senate. The leaked documents mention selling data related to NATO, though it's unclear if the data was publicly available. NATO told the Washington Post that the alliance faces persistent cyber threats and remains on guard. Users of Microsoft, Apple and X are also on the list. I assume advertisements claim it can help clients control Outlook accounts and obtain contact information from target iPhones. Plus, it's been known to launch phishing campaigns against users of X, formerly Twitter. Chinese officials are investigating the leak. Illegal immigration in California is on the rise. Federal government data reveals more immigrants are choosing not to enter the U.S. through Texas. And the change is shifting immigration west. San Diego is experiencing an increase in illegal border crossers. The chief of the U.S. Border Patrol said the San Diego sector has made over 140,000 apprehensions since this fiscal year began in October. And over 20,000 of them were from China. That's a 500 percent increase compared to the same time period last year. The head of the Border Patrol Union recently warned about an increase in military-aged Chinese men crossing the southern border illegally. 
He says some of them may be spies working on behalf of China's communist regime, looking to infiltrate the U.S. Besides Chinese nationals, the San Diego sector saw thousands of Afghans, Russians, Africans and others enter since October. A $75 million arms sale to Taiwan, the State Department giving the plan the go-ahead Wednesday, one day before a congressional delegation touched down in Taipei. Congressman Mike Gallagher is leading the group and brings one important message. Here's a closer look. A bipartisan show of support for Taiwan. A congressional delegation is visiting Taiwan Thursday, and Representative Mike Gallagher, chairman of the House Select China Committee, is leading the charge. He said the U.S. needs to fix one big problem, delivering the weapons that Taiwan has bought. We need to ensure that we're delivering on the foreign military sales that you've purchased, that we've approved, but have yet to be delivered. We have a $20 billion backlog. Beijing sees Taiwan as part of its territory and has pledged to take it under control by force if necessary. That's despite never having controlled the island. The U.S. doesn't have formal diplomatic relations with Taiwan, but is bound by law to sell arms to Taiwan so it can defend itself. Gallagher noted the U.S. stands with Taiwan. The United States, Democrats and Republicans stands with Taiwan for your freedom and for ours. For as Taiwan goes, so goes the world. Taiwan must remain, as it stands today, a candle, burning freely, freely, fiercely, and improbably against the darkness. The U.S. lawmakers met with Taiwan's outgoing president, Tsai Ing-wen. Your visit further highlights the close partnership between Taiwan and the United States. And President-elect William Lai. We are facing a rapidly changing global geopolitical landscape and also tremendous pressure on diplomatic, military and economic coercion coming from China. Lai said he hopes to continue to stand with the U.S. and the free world once in office. The American delegation will stay in Taiwan for three days. The trip is part of a larger visit to the Indo-Pacific region. Gallagher's visit comes amid heightened tensions between Taiwan and mainland China. Two Chinese fishermen died after trying to make a run from the Taiwanese Coast Guard. Another two survived. Taiwanese media reports say the Chinese fishermen may not come from Fujian, the province just across the water from Taiwan. The survived fishermen appear to have a thick Sichuan accent. Sichuan is a province located in southwestern China. A $3 billion dent on HSBC's blockbuster success. The banking giant's profit in 2023 hit over $30 billion, an over 80% increase. Despite that, a big write-down from a Chinese bank spelled huge losses for HSBC in the last three quarters. Here's more. HSBC profits have surged in recent months, hitting just over $30 billion in 2023. That's up 78% on one year before, but still missed analyst forecasts. Despite the bank scoring the big profit win, it also took on a major blow from China. So much so that HSBC lost over $150 million in the last quarter of 2023. The reason? An old investment gone wrong. HSBC bought a 19% stake in a Chinese bank in 2004. But the bank wrote down the value of the stake by $3 billion. That's partly due to China's slowing economy. 
HSBC has stuck it out inside China as other Western banks cut their operations in the region. Last year, HSBC agreed to buy Citibank's retail wealth management portfolio in mainland China. The London banking giant said it remained confident in China's economy. Back to this week, HSBC chairman Mark Tucker called China's economic performance bumpier than expected. The news of missing forecasts saw the bank's Hong Kong share slide over 3 percent in afternoon trade Wednesday. Even so, the bank plans to reward investors with a fresh $2 billion share buyback and says it will consider a special dividend. Staff are in line for a boost, too, with the bank set to increase its bonus payouts. Chief Executive Noel Quinn saw his total remuneration almost double to $10.6 million as long-term incentives kicked in. HSBC says it remains cautious about the outlook for lending this year, with many key markets still battling inflation and slow growth. The bank itself saw costs rise more than expected last year and says they'll jump up sharply in 2024. Beijing is making a last-ditch effort to save its troubled property sector, with the biggest ever cut to a key mortgage reference rate. Will it be the game-changer the sector needs? Here's NTD's Don Ma with a brief update. It seems like China is going to make its biggest cut ever to a key mortgage rate. And this is, of course, as it scrambles to revive its ailing property market. The People's Bank of China announced that it would cut its five-year loan prime rate by 25 basis points to 3.95%. Now, this rate is uh, usually serving as a reference for mortgages. Now, the one-year loan prime rate, which is a benchmark for personal and corporate loans, will remain unchanged. China's economy, which relies heavily on the property sector, has been hobbled by a downturn in the industry. And that came in 2021 when Beijing cracked down on developers borrowing, which triggered defaults on debts. The deeper-than-expected cut suggests that Beijing is not as worried about the negative impacts of lower lending rates on currency or banks. There was a muted reaction, however, to the announcement in the markets uh, with the benchmark index, Shanghai Composite, gaining less than half a percent. A migration trend inside China is causing concerns for authorities. Over the past decade, more Chinese people have been abandoning metropolitan cities for smaller ones or even rural areas. What's behind the move to the countryside? Let's take a closer look. Sociologists call it de-urbanization, where people proactively downgrade their residence from city living to smaller regions. Chinese internet users call it by a simpler name, laying flat. While the term may evoke images of couch potatoes in the West, China's young people are using it to describe a lack of interest in ambitious career hustle or getting disillusioned by China's soaring unemployment rate. Instead, they spend their time in ways that improve their mental health. Many college students go to deliver takeout and so on. They can't find a job. They just can't see any hope. The regime's Chinese dream has nothing to do with young people, nor does it have anything to do with Chinese people in general. They've had enough of those lies and they're escaping. It's not that they voluntarily lay flat. They are forced to do so. Zooming in on China's southwestern province of UNN, a city named Dali has attracted many young people. It's known for its low living expenses, smaller population, and beautiful scenery. 
According to Chinese tech giant Sina, the average age range of travelers who eventually choose to stay in Dali is 25 to 26 years old. In fact, the young people who come here normally have independent thinking and mainly want to escape pressure and release that pressure here. Many of the new residents in Dali work from home. They're often referred to as digital migrants, meaning they have relocated to one area but make their living from jobs located somewhere else. On top of that, the consumption level of young people has downgraded, and the desire for consumption is also decreasing, and the desire for reproduction is also decreasing. This is because the CCP is too harsh in its internal oppression. But now, another problem has cropped up. Many people living in Dali are finding it difficult to carry on the low-cost lifestyle there since local work opportunities are few. What's next for Chinese people facing off with a struggling economy? We'll keep you updated. Coming up this Saturday on China in Focus, from slashing tour bus tires to hiring internet trolls and inflicting physical attacks. Why is the Chinese Communist Party targeting Shenyun, a U.S.-based performance the regime doesn't want you to see? Here we've got sponsors, American companies, trying to sponsor an American company in Shenyun Performing Arts, and the Chinese government is coming in and trying to pressure them not to do that right here in America. Discover what's really behind over 130 documented incidents of CCP interference against the show and learn why a peaceful meditation practice that's persecuted in China is at the heart of it all. Tune in for an exclusive interview with Levi Browdy, executive director of the Falun Dafa Information Center, on how Beijing manipulates narratives in America. Don't miss it Saturday at 11 a.m. and rerun Sunday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time, only on China in Focus. Coming up, a deadly bridge accident hits China. Five are dead after part of the structure collapsed when a cargo ship crashed into it head-on. Footage reveals the aftermath. A look at some of the globe's most expensive places to raise a child. A recent think tank report from Beijing reveals staggering costs and sheds light on why more women are choosing to stay childless. And Taiwanese fishermen are treading cautiously as tensions with China escalate following a fatal clash at sea. More on what they had to say after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Five people are dead in China after a cargo ship crashed into the support pillars of a bridge earlier Thursday. It caused part of the bridge to break off and sent vehicles plunging into the water below. It happened on a waterway in southern China's Pearl River Delta near the city of Guangzhou. Road traffic leading to the bridge was shut down soon after. Two vehicles fell into the water, one of them a bus. Three other vehicles ended up falling on the ship that crashed into the pillars. At least three people were injured. More than 100 emergency workers aided the rescue efforts, including a number of divers. Authorities are still investigating the cause of the accident. They hinted at improper operation by the ship's crew. A new report is shedding light on why more and more couples in China are deciding not to have kids. The price tag of raising a bundle of joy is going up around the world, with China being one of the most expensive, even beating out the U.S. and Japan. According to a Beijing-based think tank, the dollar figure is a staggering one. 
On average, the price of raising a child in China until they reach 18 years old has breached nearly $75,000. Inside the nation's metropolitan cities, that number shoots up even higher at over $90,000. Compare those numbers to China's GDP per capita, and raising a child costs a whopping six-plus times more. In the U.S. and Japan, the same measures reach just over four times. Researchers point to a struggling economy, losses in leisure time, and other factors to explain China's plunging fertility rate. It's the second lowest in the world behind only South Korea. A game of hide-and-seek at sea. Tensions soar between Taiwan and China after two Chinese nationals died during a chase with Taiwan's Coast Guard. How do Taiwanese fishermen working in the sensitive waters feel about the situation? Let's zoom in. Taiwanese fishermen are exercising caution when they go out to work on the sensitive waters around the frontline islands near the Chinese coast. They say they are worried about rising tensions after two Chinese nationals died during a chase with Taiwan's Coast Guard. They died when Taiwan's Coast Guard tried to expel their boat, which then overturned. Their vessel had gotten close to an islet that is part of the Kinmen Islands, which has been governed from Taipei since the end of the Chinese Civil War in 1949. They, Chinese fishermen, don't listen to rational persuasion to leave, and sometimes they only run away after being chased a little by Taiwan's Coast Guard. In fact, the most serious problem here are the fishermen from the mainland, who come into our coastal areas to release their nets, sometimes 50 or 60 of them at a time. Especially in cases like this one, it's very hard for our Coast Guard to chase them away. The Chinese are playing hide-and-seek. They often do this. This kind of boat is probably also illegal, and they come here every day with nameless boats and put out nets along our coast. When the Coast Guard comes, they run away. When the Coast Guard doesn't come, they just fish over there. A furious China, which claims Taiwan as part of its own territory, responded by launching its own Coast Guard patrols and on Monday boarded a Taiwanese tourist boat operating off Kinmen. The Taiwanese yacht that they boarded this time, it's very clear that they chose this ship as it was closer to the Chinese shore and in turn further away from Kinmen. So we can see that China is also slightly controlling the development of this situation. They have a two-handed strategy. On the one hand, putting political pressure on Taiwan, while on the other hand, trying to avoid escalation. Huang Junfan, secretary of the Kinmen Fishermen's Association, said members were not yet allowing the situation to deter them from working on the water. After this incident, fishermen will still be psychologically affected to an extent when they go out to sea. But according to our statistics in the past few days, the number of boats heading out to sea has in fact been normal. Kinmen is home to around 100,000 people. It also hosts a large Taiwanese military garrison, just a short boat ride from the Chinese cities of Xiamen and Chenzhou. Taiwan's Coast Guard patrols its waters and several of Kinmen's surrounding islets are heavily fortified and mostly off-limits to civilians, including Beijing, the islet where the Chinese boat was overturned. China last week said it recognizes no banned or restricted waters for fishermen around Kinmen. Kinmen was the scene of sometimes intense fighting between Taiwanese and Chinese forces during the height of the Cold War, but is today a popular holiday destination with many tourists drawn to its old bunkers and bullet-pocked wartime sites. 
kids aren't safe on social media. That's the fear lawmakers emphasize as they grilled the CEO of major tech companies. Let's dive into key moments from testimonies given by Mark Zuckerberg and TikTok CEO. Plus, concerns raised by parents regarding AI's integration into social media. We spoke to Rex Lee, cybersecurity advisor at MySmart Privacy, for insight. Rex Lee, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me on the show, Tiffany. To begin, how have all of the recent congressional hearings addressing the integration of intrusive AI, such as generative pre-trained transformers into social media platforms, and what about the potential harm that this is causing for teens and even children? The issue that we're having uh, with uh, AI is no different than what we were having before regarding uh, social media platforms and or intrusive apps and gaming apps and so forth. Meaning that uh, the apps, the platforms, whether it's social media or a gaming platform and AI is programmed to surveil and data mine the end user for profits uh, so that advertisers uh, can be able to uh, develop targeted ads based on personal preferences of the end users and send uh, ads to those end users. Speaking of TikTok, which has been in the headlines a lot, what contradictions or admissions were made by Sochu, especially when it comes to the connections between TikTok and the Chinese Communist Party? What were senators pressing him about? Prior to the congressional meetings, the CEOs have a chance to go meet lawmakers. Um, and um, Senator Michael Bennett, in particular from Colorado, uh, had said that uh, he had met with uh, Mr. Chu. And during his private meeting with him, uh, Mr. Chu validated the fact that companies from China, whether they have offices in the United States or have uh, uh, child companies under them um, uh, or, or uh, affiliated companies, all have to uh, work with the Chinese government and are beholden to the CCP and Chinese intelligence services. Uh, but during the testimony, uh, uh, Mr. Chu had denied that. Uh, Warren and Thune also pointed out that that's not an option for companies. That, that That's actually a Chinese law that you're beholden to the government, to the CCP and Chinese intelligence services, no matter what business you're in. Rex Lee, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.